Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And of course, I'm joined by... Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have Tom with us. No. You know, this is odd because usually he's, he's always trying to better himself. Yes. Uh, he's doing all kinds of conventions and conferences and whatnot. Tom's always off doing something interesting. And today, actually, he's just he's trying to kick back and he was taking a little time off and he's actually going noodling. Yes. For those who aren't familiar, that's that's uh, catching catfish, uh, dig, you know, who who hide in, in holes inside lakes. And typically people reach in with their hands, but he has his own uh, special method. That's right. Well, because the weird thing was, if we told me he was going noodling, and I said, do you know anything about noodling? It was like, you know, I've never done it before, but I, I like, you know, Asian food. And so in his mind, he thought he was just going to go and have a big bowl of noodles. So he took chopsticks with him. So, so he's going to actually try to get those catfish out of those deep, dark holes with chopsticks. And he's so going to blind some catfish. <laughs> it's going to be like something out of a Three Stooges. Like, whoop, whoop. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're going to be angry. You don't want like a two hundred pound catfish mad at you. But but his parish is going to eat well on Friday. I am uh, his first fish fry when he comes back will be so good. Assuming he catches one, I don't know if that's going to work or not. Anyway, we wish him well, and uh, uh, we are going to talk about an interesting thing uh, because you know it's interesting when you look at the the reading now. So this weekend, as people are hearing this show. Um, it's Transfiguration Weekend. So and everyone's yes. going to be talking about the Transfiguration. Uh, most homilies will be talking about Transfiguration and um, all that stuff. And, you know, God's light being shown and Jesus' divinity being revealed and all these great things. And that's good. And, but there's also, interestingly, the Old Testament reading from Genesis, the 22nd chapter of Genesis. Also a pretty important reading. Yeah, it is pretty important. And it's one that we all know that story of uh, Abraham and Isaac. Uh, and the, the the sacrificing or the willingness to sacrifice Isaac uh, and Abraham's uh, being tested in the faith, and so instead, though, I'm gonna we're gonna take this from a different perspective. Ooh. Yes, we are going to flip things around just a little bit. And instead of calling it uh, the sort of the uh, the story of Abraham and Isaac, we're gonna call it the story of Isaac and Abraham. Oh, I like this. Yeah, so we're gonna go from a different perspective. We are going to like. Because so often we, we look at this from the perspective of Abraham. Right. Uh, and his faith, as he's a father uh, in faith to all of us, as Jesus said, uh, and all Jews know, you know, Abraham, one of the great, the, the, the great, you know, human father. And, uh, and so we're, we're, we're going to look at this from a different perspective, from, from the perspective of Isaac. Right. Uh, and uh, and, and what, what's going on in his mind uh, is he going along, and maybe what can we learn from that? So I tell you what we should do is let's read that reading, the Old Testament reading from uh, the book of Genesis, chapter 22. And so it starts, uh, God put Abraham to the test. He called to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son Isaac, your only one, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. There you shall offer him up as a holocaust on a height that I will point out to you. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Then he reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. 
But the Lord's messenger called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Do not lay a hand on the boy. And the mess said the messenger, do not, uh, do not do the least thing to him. I know now how devoted you are to God, since you did not withhold from me your own beloved son. As Abraham looked about, he spied a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he went and took the ram and offered it up as a holocaust in place of his son. Again the Lord's messenger called to Abraham from heaven and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you acted as you did in not withholding from me your beloved son, I will bless you abundantly and make your descendants as countless as the stars in the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your descendants shall take possession of the gates of their enemies, and in your descendants all the nations of the earth shall find blessing. All this because you obeyed my command. So, so that's a really that's a what a profound reading, by the way. It's a great oh, yeah. story. It's always interesting because we'll focus so much this weekend and hear so much about the transfiguration and not really hear so much about this particular story uh, about Abraham's faith or Isaac's willingness. To carry, you know, probably carried the machete or knife <laughs> up the hill. You know, well, it's, here's the thing: it's pretty telling the fact that you don't hear much of from Isaac uh, during the course of this passage. You know, he's quietly going along every step of the way, even going to the level of of being on the altar with Abraham having the knife in his hands. I think a lot of us, if our dad asked that of us, would have some questions at least. Yeah, and I can't imagine. I, I remember seeing um, uh, this story illustrated in one of those little kids' cartoony kind of book storybooks, and I remember seeing pictures of Isaac, and he was always like packing stuff up the hill. Mm-hmm. Like, he was carrying stuff, and I'm just thinking, what an awkward and weird conversation you would have had going up the hill, right? It's like, gee, Dad, thanks for taking me to work with you today. Uh, thanks for, you know. Now, I like hiking. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, as a kid, I'm looking at that going like, what is he saying? And what is Abraham saying back to him? I imagine it's like, uh, don't look at me, Isaac. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, well, so along the way, while they're walking, it's possible that Abraham was just silent. But at some point, at some point. Dad, Isaac, how come you're not saying anything? Yeah, yeah. Or what do you mean get on the altar? What do you mean lay down here? What do you mean you, you, you're going to take this knife over me? But he never complains. It, it, what comes to mind as I'm saying this from Isaiah, he opened out his mouth. Yeah. You know, the story of the suffering servant being yes. beaten and tormented. You see, you see some Christ-like tendencies right there prefigured in Isaac. I think so. Like I, What I think is hidden in plain sight with Isaac is there's a docility of heart, there's a trust in his father that Jesus has towards our heavenly father. Yeah. And I think that that Jesus is in inviting us into relationship with our heavenly father. He's showing us through Isaac how he we are supposed to be by and through Jesus within us. Oh, yeah, and that's hard. That is not easy. And, and now, again... Where where does Isaac get this from, right? Because now, and there's something I thought about was the fact that I think he gets some of this from his dad. Yeah, right. Because he knows, and we're we're joking with the awkward conversation walking up the hill and things like that. Um, because I know that Isaac had to know that Abraham is a holy man. Right? Yes, a- Abraham had gone through a lot, really, just to have Isaac. Yes, right. That and, and I know the stories, and I know people go. They all know Abraham. 
formerly known as Abram, you know, the artist formerly known as Abram, uh, is is Abraham. And and um, I know that I know that Isaac would respect his father, but the fact that that Abraham was willing to show that kind of faith, right, and do whatever the Lord told him. I know that that wasn't the first time that Abraham followed the ways of the Lord, right? And Abraham, as a matter of faith, has stepped into many awkward situations and conversations. Uh, for example, uh, introducing circumcision to uh, his family. Oh, yeah. By the saying, way, we're today, doing this now. <laughs> can't we be like normal families and go to the park? You know, what, what are you doing now? You know, so I'm sure that Isaac has had a life thus far with, uh, with Abraham. Um, to the point where Isaac's like going like, I want to be just like you, Dad, because you, you, are, you are obviously a man of faith. And so a lot of who Isaac is is because of Abraham. So I certainly get that. But it certainly, there's an extra bit of faith, trust, and as you say, docility required of Isaac in this situation yeah. not to utter a word. Exactly. And, and to simply to do. Yes. Right? What It's like, well... I'm trusting you, and I'm moving forward in trust in you, Dad. Right. You know, in the same way that Abraham trusts the father, so Isaac trusts his father. You know, and that is that's just it's I I I guarantee uh, I would have not done well if this was like Abraham and Jeff. <laughs> the, it wouldn't have happened, right? I mean, because I'm not I'm not going up there. Yeah. I would have looked in the pack and I've gone like, what is this? like 14 inch machete doing in here right you know what what why am i carrying all this stuff why where are we going why are we built with there's nothing here that we're why are we uh-uh or hey dad look a bull <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then i would have run <laughs> right yeah while his dad was like what son what do you you know um there, I, I just i would have not I, I just don't think that i would have that kind of faith I can't trust any my of, father. I don't think any of us would, no matter how great of a dad we might have. And here's the thing, you know, there's, it's going to be a mixed bag in our audience uh, as to what sort of dads we might have been uh, blessed with in our lives. Yeah, certainly. But our heavenly father, all of us share a, our heavenly father, and our heavenly father is perfect. And we have to ask ourselves, are we, uh, are we exemplifying in our lives that docility of heart, that trust? Uh, that both Isaac and Jesus are are portraying before their father. Yeah. In other words, are we trying to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect? Right. Or are we sometimes stubborn in our uh, or heart of heart or unwilling to? Uh, are we getting in God's way? You know, in our in our spiritual life, or are we really laying ourselves on the altar and waiting for God to move through us, no matter? Whether it's going to lead us into great suffering or lead us into something where we don't understand it. I I, must stop you because that is an incredibly powerful image, what you just said. Mm. Laying on the altar. Are are we just going to lay on the altar? It's like, I'm telling you, this is the part that I would, I'm just going to tell you, it'd be hard for me. I know what what I'm supposed to want to do. I know what scriptures tell me. I know what the Lord even speaks to me and says. I know what my, for me specifically, what my diaconal mission is. I know that I'm supposed to, but I would struggle with this. This would be hard for me to do. And that's one of the reasons why I think this story is here. Mm. It's why this is in scripture. This This is why we need to read it, you know, 
however many 3,500 years later or whatever, we need to read this and we read it all the time and we need to see this and take it into ourselves to see exactly what we're, how we are supposed to react and how we are supposed to trust. We need to see a model because it'd be hard for me to lay on the altar. I think it's important. This is an opportunity for us to be honest with ourselves and honest with God as to what's keeping me from really being willing to lay on that altar. Yeah. Okay. So that's now that's a whole nother question. What's keeping me from laying on the altar? And that's what we're going to answer after we take a break. All right. right, We're going to take a break first. I want to tell people at home we had a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love uh, to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And like us on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter. Like and share our posts and comment on them. It makes a difference. All right. We'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. On October 7, 1571, the great naval battle of Lepanto was fought between the Ottoman Turks and an alliance of Catholic kingdoms assembled by Pope Pius V. This titanic sea battle, fought for the freedom of Christianity in Europe and the preservation of Western civilization, was entrusted to the patronage of our Blessed Mother through the intercession of Our Lady of Victory. The Ottoman Turks had been trying to dominate the Mediterranean Sea with their navy for many years. They slowly captured small Christian outposts and sold much of the population into slavery. The Ottoman armies were brutal and merciless. They sought to exterminate Christianity from all of Europe. After the Turks began the conquest of Cyprus, a small island in the Mediterranean Sea, all Christian Europe became alarmed. Pope Pius V recognized the threat from the Turkish forces and convinced the political rulers of the day to form an alliance that might defend the Christian people of Europe from the threat of the Ottoman Turks. Pius assembled the brave knights of Malta, the Kingdom of Spain, the Venetians, and several other Italian kingdoms into a naval force that was finally able to challenge Turkish naval dominance. The last knight of Christendom, Don Juan of Austria led the Christian forces. On the day of the great battle of Lepanto, the Pope implored all of Christian Europe to seek the intercession of Our Lady of Victory through praying the rosary. As the Christian ships met the Ottoman host on the turbulent seas, Pius V led a rosary procession through St. Peter's Square in Rome. The entire endeavor was given over to the care of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Pope was given a vision, which assured him that the Christian forces had prevailed. There was a great foreboding that the Christian forces were going to fail against the superior Turkish fleet, but through the Pope's faith and the intercession of Our Lady of Victory, the Christian fleet miraculously carried the day and drove the enemy ships out of Christian waters. The Turkish losses were so great that they were never able to recoup their strength as a mighty naval power. Pius V commemorated the Christian victory at Lepanto through the Blessed Mother's intercession by establishing the Feast of Our Lady of Victory. Pope Paul VI changed the name of the feast to Our Lady of the Rosary. This feast day is celebrated on October the 7th. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history.
Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And I am Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting here with Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. And we are talking about uh, Isaac and Abraham. See, I flipped it around there. Not Abraham and Isaac, but Isaac and Abraham, because we're talking about Isaac's point of view here. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we are not here with uh, uh, Tom Dorian, who's off noodling with his chopsticks, and I hope that works out for him. Uh, and we'll see what happens when he comes back. But so we're in the process of talking about uh, Isaac and Abraham, and like what it would take to lay down on the altar. Mm. And and we 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 started. You had a profound question, like what is what is keeping us from being docile of heart, mm-hmm. right? What is it that's keeping us to be more like Jesus Christ and more willing to lay on the altar willingly to right. and and because you know I, I think about my kids, especially when they were little. You couldn't get him to sit still, you know, and and I, I can't imagine Isaac, I, I, you know, holding still. Yeah, You know, exactly. just laying there, docilely, just, you know, trusting his father. I can't imagine myself doing that. I can't imagine a kid doing I just can't imagine that. Think, what is it that keeps us from, from thinking that way? Right. Right, and everyone probably quickly says, well, you know, there's a Bible story and these are great and holy, whatever. But these are, really, these are stories about people who we, we're people too. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and we have every possibility of being an, an Isaac or an Abraham. We really do. And that's the whole point of these, these stories is to help to see ourselves in these, these examples. We have a better chance of being it than they did because there's an opportunity for grace. Amen. Especially <laughs> through yes. the church. Yeah, so. Well, exactly. Uh, they didn't. They couldn't have gone to mass that morning. Right. <laughs> they were. They were busy offering the sacrifices that were required. Yes. Right. And so they were doing the things they were supposed to do, but they didn't ex- understand fully uh, that experience of the grace that we receive through the sacraments. Exactly. Yeah. So we 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 do. You're right. We do have that. <laughs> so let's go. Let's start looking at some things, Sam. That uh, that are that cause us to have. Um, a lack of a lack of docility or a lack of trust and I, I think where I would start with I mean we probably have lots of reasons mm-hmm. but there are we probably a lot of us have parent issues oh sure um, father wound mother wound oh yeah and that's I mean you as a deacon I'm sure you've ministered to plenty of, of people and I'm sure I probably been- caused some <laughs> <laughs> I got nine kids I probably caused a few wounds but how often do you when you does it become you get to the root issue and it's their father wound mother wound uh, issues yeah when, when I'm talking to people a lot of times where it comes down to is they just they don't have trust in a parental figure yeah. because they had you know and there's there's lots of different reasons uh, it, it might have something to do with with uh, with uh, abuse, so it might have something to do with anger issues. It might have something to do with uh, you know an addiction, alcoholism, something like that. Uh, you know, and really, um, so parent issues is, is a real reason for uh, that. Some people have a, uh, an inability to trust um, any kind of um, uh, model or uh, leader or superior or parent or anybody in that way. Well, another thing with a less sort of dramatic example um our culture is one of uh conditional love you know it loves talking about love we love rom-coms and all this other stuff but it's a conditional love we even have hashtags love is love and all these things we're worried about who loves who and we mean want to make sure everybody gets loved and we love love right (laughs) so my thinking is to an extent if a person grew up in a household where love was always conditional 
right. might not have been outright abusive or involved in alcohol right. or anything like right. that. But there was, if there's always conditions attached, then they're not going to be grounded in the reality that there's a God who is a father who has loved them into existence and truly loves all them unconditionally. The more, yes, all the more important that we understand the importance of the family and why that family is there is to model the behavior of the love of God the Father for his children. Yes. Right, and so parents, both parents, are always supposed to be in that situation. That's why we. That's why the Catholic Church is so concerned about parenting and 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 all that. Well, as you bring this up, Deacon Jeff, one thing I, I you know, there's been times in which God has led me down discernment journeys to pray about the priesthood potentially, and that that's an example of laying yourself on an altar, making yourself available for a vocation. And we may have l- listeners now who are uh who are discerning a vocation or on that journey. And I can tell you that as a person who was really wanting to serve God with all my life and all my heart, even after I'd surrendered all sorts of things and, and addressed all sorts of wounds, probably the one of the hardest things to, to that kept me from wanting to really lay on the altar was I like the idea of having kids one day. A uh, lot. I want to be a dad. You know, I want to have a wife. Um, and that's a tough thing to let go of because it's not like a bad thing. But if God's calling, God might not just be asking you to get rid of bad stuff in your life. He may be willing asking you to lay down good stuff in your life because he has something better that he might be calling you to. And that can also be a, a reason why we don't get on the altar sometimes is just not really being grounded in that trust of God knows better than me yeah, what I need. That's hard. And so we're challenged in lots of different ways. Uh, um, and so it, I, I, and I don't think any of those are all like, this is the only reason. Right. Right. That, that we're going to have this, this lack of trust. I mean, you might have had bad traumatic experiences somehow in life that didn't involve your parents. But yeah. just create a situation where it's like, does God actually love me? Right. Right. And maybe, like you said, good things or things that you're drawn to um, that you aren't going to be going down that path. Right. And it makes it more and more difficult. Now, I think another reason why I think that um, there can be some serious docility of heart issues uh, is with when uh, we kind of touched on it. But, you know, we live in a day and age where everybody is like this sort of self-aware and um, life is all about me and what I want. And um, I have every right, quote unquote, you hear that word bandied about all the time in politics and in our world about our rights and what you know and i'm an america darn it and i can do what i want and his you know and and it's like and i think unfortunately we become um uh too dependent on ourselves yeah and not willing to trust that there is the father in others right we don't trust anybody bigger than us you know i'm reminded uh Gandhi, I think it was, made a list of the the ten worst things in the world that were enemies of peace or something like that. And at the top of the list was religion without sacrifice. Wow. Yeah. Because if we step into a faith just for the warm fuzzies and we're not actually willing to change and we're not really actually willing to say there's a God and it's not me and putting God first, what are we doing? And there's a lot of religion that's out there like that. There is. I mean, there really is, and that's and like stuff that doesn't challenge. In fact, even with our own church, sometimes you probably come away from a homily going, "Hey, uh, where are we going to go eat?" Right, it's, well, <laughs> and it's it's hard a hard question we need to ask ourselves: Are we showing up to church with a consumer heart or with a servant heart? Yeah, exactly. Right. So these are all reasons that we can struggle with docility. Yeah, we can because we know best. 
Yeah. <laughs> we know, we, we, we've been to college or we've been to the school of hard knocks or whatever. We right. know best. We know better than anybody what I need and what I need to do and whatever. And we interpret scripture ourselves. And we, you know, it's like, and that, that, that's not very docile. No. Right? That's, that, that can be a problem. But then there's also uh, some other reasons that I think we can talk about. One is like noise and distraction. Oh, yeah. Just the, the, the idea that the world is filled with, with, uh, the wrong kinds of, of smells and bells. <laughs> yeah, it has a way of crowding out the voice of God in our lives, and that it requires effort to really pay attention to Him. Amen. Uh, you know exactly. And I was doing a, a conference and had a Q and A session afterwards, and someone was asking me, "Hey, um, how is it that you can actually hear God talk to you? Because I can't shut my my mind up and listen." And you stop and think about that. That is not an uncommon problem. Oh yeah. And it makes it hard to be docile and basically to lay on the altar. If you can't hear God, if you don't hear the voice of God, you don't even know to lay on the altar. You don't need to, you don't even hear to, to lay still. I've got this. It's okay. And also sometimes we're just stubborn. Well, okay, <laughs> we are. But, but then sometimes that stubbornness comes from genuine, like maybe habits. We live in a yeah. routine or a rut that we're in, and we just—it's over and over that we we have a bad prayer life. We we cuss and swear a lot. We you know we have anger issues, whatever, and we we end up being in a in a rut, and that that can also cause us not to be docile. Um, and then I think also um, another thing that uh, chips away at docility is like having a low self-image. Oh yeah. Now God's not—he doesn't care about me. Right. But imagine if Isaac had a low self-image. Right. I mean, no, he's not going to be docile. He just would be a complainer, a whiner. He wouldn't have gone. He would be lazy. He wouldn't have been carried. You know, it's like, it's so, if if we think that God hates us, right, then it's like, woe is me. We're not willing to trust and follow. Right. What, what is this, what door is this going to open up into my life, right? Which, and also leads to another one I think that you'd mentioned earlier, um, is that we might have kind of a weird or skewed image of who God is. Yeah. What, I mean, how, that can, how can that lead us to be, have a, a problem with docility? Well, so one of the things that the devil does best at is lie about the identity of God. Oh, he doesn't want you to have that because Amen. he's not really good. Yeah, exactly right. So these are all reasons, but at the, at the heart of it is you need to search your heart and can you be Isaac? And pray for it, to pray for docility of heart. Amen. Give me the grace I need to lay on the altar. That will make us more Christ-like, to Mm. really be more Isaac-like. Yes. Leads us right to be more Christ-like. How beautiful that is. So let's pray for docility of heart. The most docile creature, Mary, will help us with that. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us sinners sinners, now and at the the hour of our death. death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.